Praise the Lord. Let's be on our feet, please. And let's pray. The hour for God to speak to us, but we need to make Him know our request. I want to hold somebody beside you, and you're going to pray for that person beside you. <coughs> Genesis 30:22 says, And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her, and opened her womb. I don't know what you are trusting God for, but this morning you're going to pray for that your fellow, for that your friends. You're going to say, Father, Remember my brother for good. Remember this, my sister, for good. Open your book of remembrance and shower your blessing on him. Answer all our prayers. Wipe away all our tears. Go ahead and pray that prayer for your friend. As you pray for yourself the same way God is asking your own prayer. Say, Lord, this is my brother. Whatsoever the issue in his life, in our life, this is my sister. Attend to our case. Lord, turn situation around for good. On behalf of my brother and my sister. Remember him for good. You remember Rachel for good. And Rachel conceived. Remember this, my brother, for good. And let every prayer he has been praying receive speedy answers. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. I'm going to pray this one for yourself. Exercises 7, 8. Say, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Very soon you will be entering the last four months in the year 2015. And I'm sure you have expectations since the beginning of the year. You are asking God, where will this issue be solved? Will I go over to 216 and this problem is still there? You are going to cry out to God. Say, Father, let the rest of this year be better than the beginning. Let it be more glorious. Let it be more glorious for me and my family. Go ahead and tell the Lord, let the rest of this year be more wonderful, be more glorious, be more powerful. Be more successful for me and my family. We cannot afford to cross over to 250 without all our expectations. Granted, in the name of Jesus, let the rest of this year be more glorious for me. Let it be more wonderful. Every expectation of my heart, I call it to manifestation. Before this year is over, the rest of this year, I declare it's my year of change for me and my family. It's our year of overflowing blessing. It's our year of everything, the reward of our labor. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. The Holy Spirit just reminded me of something. In Nigeria, when you get to the month of September, October, November, December, they call it you have entered the bar month. The month that the devil is making, taking stock to know how many people it will snuff their life off. How many people it will deprive of their joy. How many people it will turn, do you know, the armed robbers, the wicked people, they plan for Christmas also. And so they increase the intensity of their evil work. When it gets to September, October, November, December. But you will not be part of the number. I say you and your loved one will not be part of the number in the name of Jesus. Psalm 121 verse 6 to 8 says, The sun shall not smite thee by the day. If that belongs to you, I want to say amen. Amen. You say it like you mean it. The sun shall not smite thee by the day. Not the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out. And he shall preserve thy coming in from this time forward. If that looks like you begin to appreciate God, say, Lord, thank you for preserving my life. Thank you for preserving my family. For the rest of this year, Lord, I give you praise. 
Lord, I exalt you. I worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Can you please help me? Let's take this song. I just worship God. There is no like you. Console, please help us. No one else can touch my life like you do. And that is the truth. Nobody, no amount of money you have, no amount of connection you have can touch your life like Jesus. So let's sing that song with conviction that indeed nothing, nobody can touch our lives and make impact like Jesus. There is no like you. No one can touch my life like through all eternity, we discover there is none that can touch our life like you. None can change our story like you. None can change our circumstances like you. And that's why we have run to you this morning. As we have cried unto you, I decree that the rest of this year shall be more glorious, more wonderful for us in the name of Jesus. Every long-standing issue that is yet to be resolved. We look unto you, like the psalmist says, that we look up unto the hill from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, send help unto us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As we have said, preserve the life of every one of us and all our loved ones for the rest of this year until eternity. In the Jesus. You said a thousand will fall and ten thousand will fall. We claim this promise for us and all our loved ones in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Please, you can take your seat like kings and priests. Amen. Console, I'm shouting, please. I need more volume. Let's open to Matthew 5, 
1 to 48. We're going to be, this morning we're going to be meditating on the topic, Attitude Matters. Attitude Matters. And your attitude are inseparable. In fact, you are a reflection of your attitude. Matthew 5, 1 to 48. Because of time, we will not be able to read all, of course. But let's just go to 17 to 21. I'll read from New Living Translation. Jesus said, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. In other words, Jesus was saying, he came to introduce a new attitude to the law. A new approach to obeying and keeping the law. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to give us a new approach, a new attitude, a new mindset, a new viewpoint on how to obey and keep the law. And no wonder you see that the Pharisees, they fought to turn to ensure that the teaching of Jesus was not preserved. But glory be to God. That teaching is preserved till eternity. Because he came with a teaching of change of attitude. Let's go to verse 20. Say, but I warn you, unless your righteousness, that is your attitude, your approach, your mindset, your viewpoint, is better than the righteousness of the teachers, which made the Pharisees, they had an attitude. That was the way they were serving God. But he's saying, you and I, you are no longer in the hold. You are now in the new. Second Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, is it what? All things are what? All things become starting from your attitude. In fact, it is because of the positive attitude you have that makes you to make the choice, I want to give my life to Jesus. You could decide not to give your life. Nobody's going to arrest you. But you'll pay for it somewhere. <laughs> so he said, let your righteousness be better than that of the richer teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. If you do that, you know what the Bible says you happen? You will never enter, you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, for you to make heaven, your attitude, what? Matters. For you to make heaven, your attitude matters. be very careful to do is to do a drastic change. They have a lot of ways to do it so that they will be able to carry everybody along. But my brethren, if you have to fulfill destiny, you need to watch your attitude. And anyone you know is not taking you towards God, but taking you away from God, you better change it. Because the devil you use that to make you not to get to heaven. The devil almost used anger, a negative attitude, to deprive Moses.
The changes we are talking of requires you to change your mindset, your perspective, your viewpoint about life. If you look at, we are going to be going through Matthew 5. The whole of Matthew 5, 6, 7, Jesus will say, you have heard in the past. Moses told you this, but this is it. In other words, you have been doing it some way, but now you need to change your attitude. When you are talking of change of perspective, let me give you a picture. In 2 Kings 6, the servant of Elijah, when he saw the Syrian army, what happened? He said, Mugbeo. <laughs> In Nigeria, that's how you express yourself. <laughs> when you don't know your direction. <laughs> don't mind my Yoruba language. Eh? <laughs> oh, God. You know, it reminds me of... Uh, Someone was, a pastor was teaching, a fake pastor. He was preaching. I know for you to know your attitude, you can't hide it. As he was preaching on the altar, there was a ceiling fan rolling. So as he was preaching, the ceiling fan just fell down. You know what the pastor said? Shall go! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like someone calling Krishna. I know Krishna is one of the Hindu gods, right? A pastor calling Krishna to help him on the altar. You know what I mean? That pastor is not serving God. He's worshipping Krishna in the room. Your attitude, you can't hide it for long. Praise God. So we need a change of perspective. A change of our viewpoint. How you see things. That was the main teaching of Jesus. No wonder he was refused by his own own people. He was refused by the Pharisees, by the leaders of Israel. So how is your attitude? Let's start from there. Is your attitude positive or negative? The choice of which type of attitude you are going to have lies with you and nobody else. You are the one that will determine which type of attitude you want to show. A positive or a negative. And you may not be able to choose your circumstance, but you can choose your attitude. And before long, if your attitude is right, your circumstance will answer to your attitude. Your attitude is more important than every other thing in life, including money, your certificate, your successes, whatever you, you name it, including your salvation. Your attitude. It's more important than every other thing. There was a research carried out. And the conclusion was, 10% of what happens to you, depends on what other people do to you. But 90% depends on what? What is inside you. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God will not judge you based on what Happens around you, your country, your job, the type of wife you have, a loving wife or a nagging wife, the type of husband you have, a wicked husband or a loving husband. God will not judge you based on that. God will not judge you based on what people said to you, how people abuse you, how people insulted you. No. But he will judge you based on how you respond. 
When Moses missed it, and he ate the rock twice instead of speaking, who did God judge? The people that made him get angry, or Moses? Moses. It was Moses. Moses said, God said, Moses, you missed it. You are not going to get there. Sorry. The attitude of anger makes you miss it. God did not judge the people that make him to be angry. God did not judge Beersheba for taking a bath outside. Who did God judge? Brother David for looking. God judged Brother David for looking when he should not be looking. A negative attitude, lossful look. And in fact, God did not judge, who is it now? Sarah, for giving Abraham a wrong advice. But God judged the imperfection of Abraham for listening to go and have a child where God did not plan for him. So don't use your circumstance as an excuse. Oh, because I have this problem, then probably God will, God will make me to go to heaven. I can live anyhow. Sorry. That you have that problem is not an excuse for you to say you will live anyhow, then you go to heaven. No. Your response is more important. And that is what God is looking on to. Your attitude controls your life. Your attitude does what? Controls your life. There was another research carried out in the Carnegie Institute of Technology. And they tried to look for statistics of why people are sacked from work. Why people are laid off. And they discovered that 95% of people sacked was because of their attitude. Only 5% was because of their competence. By God's grace, I've been privileged to see that happen to people around me in career. When it's time for you to be promoted, when it's time for people to choose who to put to places, your attitude speaks more than competence. Anybody can have CV. So today, people even doctor TV, CV, you know. By the time you resume the job, your attitude will search you out. So, 95% of people sat over a period of 10 years was because of attitude. And only 5% because of competence. Which means you need to examine your attitude. You are working for God in the church. Are you doing it with the right attitude or wrong attitude? God is more interested in the motive, in the attitude of your service than the service itself. Remember he said, if I have to raise stone, I will raise stone to do the work for me. Is that what God said? Hello? Cain and Abel, they brought offering, but their mindset was different. And that was what made the difference. Abel came with the right attitude, and God accepted the offering. But Cain came with, let's just give God anyhow. And what happened? He was rejected. You are a worker in your office. You need to examine your attitude in your office. I've seen people sent out of Oman, not because of competence, but because of attitude. I have seen it in this Oman. You know, by God, I've been, I've been here for seven years. But very short compared to pastors. <laughs> Praise God. I've seen people sent out of Omar back home because of attitude. And I've seen people lost their marital partner because of attitude. I worked with a sister while I was in school as the, the medical, oh, sorry, I said medical now, as the music director. And I was a brother, already hiring a sister, 
that this sister, I think I, I want to propose to her to marry her. But all of a sudden, we came for Riaza one day. And the attitude this sister displayed knocked the brother off. Say, eh? I can't marry this. Sorry. This one? No, 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 no. A nagging spirit. A lot of us, we have lost opportunities because of negative attitude. Many of us, we even know it. And you're still repeating the same thing. You need to examine yourself. Your assessment last year, what did they tell you? Why you scored low? You are still doing the same attitude at work. You need to change. You are a student. You need to examine your studying attitude. I'm saying it because of the children here. You're going to be, many of you have started a new session. Many of you are going to start very soon. You need to sit down and examine yourself. What is my attitude to my study? Do I really feel good reading or they are forcing me? If they are forcing you to read, you can't go far. That's the way it is. You must change your attitude as a student to enjoy reading. Then you get the best from it. You must change your attitude concerning your job. We'll talk about marriage later. I pray we'll have time for that. How you feel about your job, your attitude about your job, will show the way you talk, the way you comport yourself in office. It will even show in your report. I've seen people, this, the, the man brought a report, the report he has been writing. But all of a sudden, the report started looking anyhow. And the boss called, what happened? By the time they started talking, she discovered that yes, the house is not at peace. And because the house is not at peace, what happened? The report started to be anyhow. By God's grace, I learned early in life, and I'm still learning, by the way, to always find an excuse not to take offense when people hurt me. I will find a way to say something that, to put in my mind, something, okay, probably that was, that was what he was saying. Probably this is because of that. Because you are enjoying yourself. It is me that will be hurting. So why do I need to? What do I do? When you hurt me, what do I do? I just find a way to say, oh, maybe, maybe that is how his life is. God will help him. I pray for you. You can go. So that I can enjoy my life. Right attitude. And I see it helping me. When you start complaining about it, I say, do you know the motive of that person? That's why I will ask you. If you know the motive, then come and tell me. You cannot analyze a situation unless you know the type of motive that person has. And many of us would trouble ourselves. Oh, this is why he said it. He said it because of this. No! You need a change of attitude. To the glory of God, I got to this country without an interview. Just because of attitude. To the glory of God. I never knew a man as a name on the map. Nowhere. I never knew a man. I've never heard of a man. But I was praying. And I prophesied that very soon my family will relocate. Now I've told you the story before. As my, my, my wife was batting our first son, I said, please make sure you learn this thing very well from grammar because the next tide will not be in Nigeria. I was prophesying it and I applied to know where abroad. I didn't know God heard it. And it joined with my right attitude. And that was how I did it. Attitude is powerful. When we talk about faith, faith is more or less attitude. The evidence of things you have not seen, you have not seen it happen, but you are saying it is what? Real. It starts from where? From your mindset. From your belief. From the faith you have in the word of God. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's an attitude. Jesus said, let it be unto you, according to what? 
your attitude, your faith. According to what you believe, that woman said, if I must but touch the hem of his garment, she came with the right attitude. But if she said, this man, I don't think this man can heal me. See how many people are landing. Let him just go back home. I've explained that before. That woman actually came with the right attitude because what? A woman with issue of blood shouldn't even be in the church at all. I could imagine Brother Peter, how of them pushing the woman. Come on, get out of this place, you dirty woman. You smelling this woman. See this woman smelling. But among the crowd, what did she do? She said, I don't mind what you guys did to me. You can slap me. I'm going to get my blessing today. She went to Jesus with the right attitude. And she went home with what? Healing. The right attitude. It depends on what you focus concerning your circumstance. What do you see concerning your situation? Do you see impossibility? Do you see failure? Do you see rejection? Why don't you switch? Change your perspective. And see hope. See life in the midst of death. See change in the midst of miserable life. See opportunity in the midst of frustration. That is what it means. Change your approach. Change your perspective. There was a story of a man in a train station. The children were playing. You know when children start to play anyhow? In the public, the normal thing is for you to caution them. But this man did not caution the children. They were just playing anyhow, jumping, shouting, and they became irritating to the rest of the people in the train station. So all of a sudden, one man just summoned the courage to go and meet their father. Caution this, your children. They shouldn't be doing this way. You know what the man said? He said, sorry, they just lost their mother recently. Immediately, that attitude of irritation, attitude of unacceptance, switched. and became attitude of what? Sympathy, of pity, of caring. That is what we are saying. Change your perspective about everything in your life. And you will see the change. Never allow any situation, no matter how strong, make you lose your focus on God. And begin to show negative attitude. No. Focus on God. Focus on possibility. And don't allow anything, no matter what, to influence how you react to people. To situation, to circumstance, how you handle your work, how you handle your life, how you handle your family. Let's go to Matthew 5 and let's learn from the greatest teacher. Some of the attitude we need to drop, we need to change, and what the attitude he expects from us. We just quickly do a survey of Matthew 5, 1 to 48, but please, I request that when you get to go and read it again. And you get the type of attitude that Jesus is talking of that we need to have. When you read verse 1 to 10, it's talking about what you should do so that you'll be able to get a reward from God. Which are right attitude. Those that humble themselves, those that hunger, those that are merciful, peaceful, pure hearts, and you have the equivalent blessing. Now, 11. Say, God bless you when people mock you and persecute you, and lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you, because you are my followers. He said, God bless you when people do all sorts of insults, everything, but you just laugh. Verse 12, say, be happy about it. <laughs> you see the attitude God is talking to you? When people are doing everything negative around you, Jesus said, you should do what? Be happy about it. Find a way not to take offense. Find a way not to pick offense and you'll be, you will be begin to go with miserable life. And the man is enjoying himself. So, yes, I've given him the shot for today. The man is not, is not is, is angry. Yes, that's what I want. Why? Jesus said, be happy. 
Don't let such things affect your inside. Because your inside is more important than your outside. Be glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Now, in verse 13 to 16, Jesus thought about you and I, we are embodiment of positive attitude. He said you are salt and you are light. You know what salt means? Everywhere you are, your attitude should be to make people get happy. Not that you get to a place, you throw one bob, you just say a word, and everybody starts withdrawing. No. Say you are the salt of the world. Are you approachable? Or you irritate people? People don't want to associate with you? And you say you are a Christian. Does people, people hang around you and they feel love. Some people, when they just hang around you, you feel relaxed. Is that your nature? He said you are the salt. You are the light. When light comes, what happens? Darkness disappears. Is that you? Since you got to that office, what has changed? If you are truly the light, you say, oh, in this office, they are just doing everybody, just messing up. Since you got to the office, what has changed? Glory to God. I'm a little bit testimony of that. Every day, I'm, in fact, now, people that are in my office, <laughs> Now, I'm just praying, God, is this envy not too much? When I see people commenting here and there, oh, this, this and that. And I begin to wonder, these people, they should not be saying this thing to when they are around. They should say it to me only. You should be light in your office. That is the attitude Jesus is saying. Anything dark around you should disappear once you appear. But have you joined them? That's when they are in your office. You know it's wrong. You join them or you behave as if you didn't see it. No, you correct it. That is what light does. Jesus thought about another attitude in 17 to 19. And that was the one we read. Let, let's move on. Let's move on to 21. He thought about the attitude of anger. Matthew 5, 21. He said, we should, you know, anger... It's a dual attitude, positive and negative. Why do I say that? When you search through the scripture, God is the angriest person in the Bible. When people disobey his law, God is what? Angry. At a point, God got angry. He said, I will kill the whole Israel and I will preserve only Moses. Moses said, God, please, 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 don't, don't do that. God said, okay, I will not kill them again. But the same Moses, when he was going down, what did he do? He broke the Ark of the, the, the New Testament. He broke it with anger. And he began to make the people to hit, to take what the idol out of anger. So you can have positive anger. You are angry at the devil for killing people anyhow. You are angry at someone committing sin. And you begin to pray, God, you must help this man. That is what we call positive anger. But negative anger is uncontrollable, destructive, abusive, and killing. It's murderous. So God is saying you should have positive anger and not negative anger. Because when you get up, you can read the details of that. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your rod. Be angry, but don't sin. Which means, have only positive anger and not negative anger. In verse 23 to 24, it taught us about attitude of reconciliation and forgiveness. In verse 25, it taught us about attitude of not being stubborn, not being adamant or arrogant. In verse 27 to 30, he taught us about the attitude of having the right thought, the right mindset. Look at what he said. He said, you have heard in the past the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But now, the new attitude is, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with loss, with loss has already committed what? Adultery. A change of attitude. 
Because adultery, the, the sin actually starts from the attitude, from the mindset, not until you commit it. So Jesus said, in the past, until you commit it, well, you have not sinned. But now, sorry, the sin starts from where? From your mind, your attitude. Jesus was teaching about divorce. And this is one of the change that our world is still fighting with. You see a lot of divorce cases in the church all over the world. People divorcing anyhow. You marry this one today, you don't like to divorce. Marry that one today, you, you, you divorce. No! Let's go to, if you can get amplified version. Amplified version. Let's read Malachi 2.16. Malachi 2.16, amplified version. I love it when I read it. It's, it's, the other version said, God hates divorce. But look at what Amplified said. Amplified version. He said, <clears throat> For the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I hate divorce and what? And marital separation. No, Amplified. Okay, you don't have Amplified. Amplified said, I hate divorce and marital separation. What is marital? Divorce is very clear. Right? You know what marital separation means? Some people are living like a stranger in the house. Husband and wife, you are not talking together. You are not fulfilling God's purpose. You are in the same house, not even greeting. You are already separated. And the Bible says, God what? Hates it. You should reconcile immediately. That's the right attitude. If you ever have issue in your marriage, you know the attitude God is saying you should have? You need to accept yourself. If you treat the right wife or the right husband the right way, he or she will become what? Right. But you treat the right woman or the right man the wrong way, what will he become? The wrong person. It is all attitude. It is all your attitude. When you get home, you read Matthew 19, 3 to 9. Matthew 19, 3 to 9. That's why Jesus said, not only for women, that if a man divorces his wife and goes to marry another, that man too has committed adultery. So if you have remarried after divorce, you are living with another woman, and the person you married before is not yet dead. You are living in sin of adultery. And that is one of the complex issues in church. If you need more clarification on that, please you can see, see us at the end of the church or any time. We clarify to you what the biblical concept of divorce. Jesus said, let, let's read it in Matthew 19, 3-9. Matthew 19 in verse, in verse 5. And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man, no circumstance, no situation, no problem, no challenges, no attitude, put asunder. Who said it? Jesus. So we should stick to the Bible. And not go to the way of people that try to doctor the Bible. No! Unless the woman or the man is dead, you are committed. Unto that marriage. Like I said, I know there will be a lot of questions in some people's hearts. You can see me after we explain, or you can see any of the pastors. We explain what is the biblical concept of divorce. God hates divorce and separation. Jesus was teaching about vow in verse 33 to 37. And he said, let your yes be your yes. If you have to make vow, if I said, don't even make vow. Don't swear. Let your yes be your what? Your yes. If you see somebody that is telling you something, oh, brother, it is not me. I, I'm telling you the truth. God knows. God knows. He's telling lies. 
You don't need to stress it. Just say it, I did not do it. Q-E-D. The moment you start to justify, no, I, I, I actually did not, I actually did not do it. He's telling lie. Let your yes be your yes. Right attitude. Jesus was teaching about another attitude in verse 38 to 39. An attitude of revenge. And that is the, this is what the, the law. Now let me read it. Say you have heard the law that says, The punishment must match the injury. An high for an high, and tooth for a tooth. And some people are still practicing that today. Are they in the new dispensation? No. People that are killing the name of religion. This is what their principle. You don't accept my religion, I kill you. That's what my God says. Is that what Jesus said? No. You hurt me, I hurt you back. You do me bad, I do you bad. <laughs> Jesus said, no, that is not the way it is. You are to operate at a higher level of attitude. Someone that slaps you on the right, Jesus said you should turn the other. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is not saying you should be a fool. Jesus is saying you should have a better understanding, a better attitude. That man slaps you because he wants you to join him to become full. When the man slaps you and says you are a fool, he says, me, I'm a fool, I will show you today. I will show you. <laughs> so what are you saying? You are already confessing, I am also a... So when somebody slaps you, you just let him carry his problem go. And tell him, no, I'm not a fool like you. That's what Jesus is teaching. In verse 43, Jesus taught about unconditional love. That you should love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Now, let's try to round up. And we go to some examples in the Bible. Jesus practiced what he has taught. When they brought that woman to Jesus, that Jesus, this woman just committed adultery with a ghost. <laughs> you know that was what they, I believe that's what they said. That the woman just committed adultery with who? Because they didn't bring the man. <laughs> they did not bring the man. If I told be you and I, eh? Adultery, keep the man, the woman straight. Bad thing. Wow, this is thing. I cannot hear it. Jesus said, the focus of Jesus with the right attitude in approaching that is, I want to win this woman. I want to win this. Is accuser, and I want to win the husband for Christ. Did Jesus achieve that or not? He achieved it. All of them left. The Bible says condemned that they were sinners. That's the right attitude. As powerful as Jesus Christ is, was, or is, he was abused. By who? He was insulted by the people he came to save. They call Jesus devil. The Pharisees say, Jesus, you are a devil. His own hometown rejected him. Jesus was going, he wanted to stay in one village of Samaritan. And as he was going in Luke 9, 51 to 56, he told them, go and find a place and so that we can stay. When they got to the village, the villagers said, no, we are not going to allow Jesus to stay here. James and John said, Jesus, just tell us, call us, ask us to call fire now. Like Elijah did to burn this city. Jesus said, you guys who don't know who I am. I am not sent here to kill people. I am sent here to save people. I am not sent here to destroy lives. I am sent here to save lives. The right attitude. Jesus had the power to call down fire. And all those people in those villages will be dead. In one second. But did he use it? If it were to be you, you have that power. Huh? I should not stay here. You don't know who I am. You don't know the Jesus that we are talking of. Fire come down and destroy them. But not Jesus. Because he had the right attitude. Let's see another example. Of a woman. Each time I read this story. I get challenged. And I will use this to talk to some people. Probably you are maltreating your wife. Or maltreating your husband. 
or maltreating your children. Let's read the story. In 1 Samuel 25, 2-44, when you get home, that's another assignment. Please, you can read it. Because of time, we can't read it here. It's the story of Abigail. The Bible describes this woman as a sensible and a woman that has good understanding, good attitude, good behavior, good mindset. David said, go and meet Nabal. That it's time for him to share his harvest with us because we protected him when he planted. But Nabal, because he was a man of negative attitude, he said, no, I'm not going to give David anything. He insulted people that David sent. And you know what happened? David got angry. Negative attitude. And he said, I'm going to kill everybody in the house of Nabal today. The woman heard. Eh? Immediately, the Bible said, quickly, the woman ran. Packed goods and went to David. I said, David, please, I'm sorry. Did everything my husband did, it's me that did it. We are sorry, we are sorry, please, please. And you know what happened? Because of that attitude of the woman, the woman corrected the sin David would have committed. Because David said in verse 36 to 38, 36 to 38, because of time, I will, not, I will not read it. David said, if not because you have come, I will have had blood on my hand. I will have taken revenge against God's will. So, four things this woman did. Let me read it and we, we round up. She saved her life and that of her family to positive attitude. She helped David not to commit sin that would have stained his life to negative attitude. She delivered God delivered this woman from negative and wicked husbands through positive attitude. See, if you are living with a woman or a man, you are husband and wife, and you are wicked to the woman, you are wicked to the, to, 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 to the man, you do everything because when you say, Christian, he cannot, he cannot divorce me. Look at what God can do. In verse 38, 36 to 38, I'm going to read it. 36 to 38. When this woman has done everything, look at what she did. She went back home. And Abigail came to Nabal. And behold, he had a feast in the house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal asked for to marry with him, for he was drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. Verse 37. But it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him this thing, that his heart died within him, and he became a stone. That woman was a woman with right attitude. She did not even tell the man when, the, the man when she got home. She allowed him to cool down. But what happened at the end? Verse 38. And it came to pass after 10 days. What happened? Read it. What happened? The Lord kills the man. Not the woman. So if you are wicked, you are punishing your husband, punishing your wife, God did. God knows how to kill. If you don't undo the right thing, He will discipline you and nobody can ask Him questions. Right attitude. And you enjoy your life. Have the right attitude in your marriage and you enjoy the best of God. That's what it means. God rewarded this woman with a godly husband. And who was that? David. Right attitude. Many of us, we have missed helpers. People that will have helped you. You have missed them by your resentful behavior. Let's rest up for prayer. And I want you to pray and tell God, the Lord, please help me. Any negative attitude in my life that is pushing me towards hell, deliver me from them. Every negative attitude in my life that is not making me to get my blessing. Deliver me from them. Somebody is here, you are not born again. God wants to give you a chance. For you to have right attitude, the first step is to accept Jesus. You are not born again. Can I see you raise your hand to Jesus? You want to give your life to Jesus? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Please raise it up. It's unto him. It's unto him. You want to give your life to Jesus this morning. You know, you... Morality is not the answer. God is the answer. Giving your life to Jesus is the answer. If you are raising your hand, I will be praying with you. 
continue talking to God. You have just heard the word of the Lord. And you are a reflection of your attitude. And your attitude is a reflection of your heart. In the book of First Samuel, chapter 16, verse 7, this is written. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God sees the heart of every one of us today. Talk to God. It's not what we show out. It's not our dress. It's not our face that matters. It is our heart. And your circumstances and my circumstances are not an excuse for our attitude. Examine yourself today. Take a moment. Take a moment to just examine yourself. Examine your attitude. Do you need to make changes in your life? Let God minister unto you. Allow God to just minister to you. Do you have a problem of anger, of stubbornness, adultery, bad language, a lying habit, maybe an attitude of unforgiveness? Talk to God. Ask God to change your stony heart today and to give you a heart of flesh, a heart with a teachable spirit. A heart with the right attitude. God is teaching us. God wants us to change. Many of us look for changes in our circumstances. Are you looking for a change? Just change your attitude. Your miracle will follow. Let's just thank God that today He has reminded us of the primacy of attitude. We let ourselves down. It's our attitude, it's our behavior, it's our inner thought. Change my heart, O oh God. Change my heart. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that today you have spoken to us, Lord. You have spoken to our inner person, Lord, Father. And Father God, we just surrender ourselves unto you. Father, purify my heart, Lord Father. Make my heart a heart that is acceptable unto you, Lord Father. Every thought I think, every word I utter, let it be with the right attitude. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that today you have spoken. You have taught us the importance of knowing what is there in our heart. It's not the outside that we often portray that matters to you, Lord Father, but it's what in, what's there in our heart. Thank you, Father God, for your servant whom you have used this day, Lord Father, for ministering to us through him, Lord Father. And we ask, Lord Father, that you anoint him the more, Lord Father, that you will continue to teach us through him, Lord Father. Bless him and his family, Lord. We commit them into your hands. Thank you, Father, for being with every one of us. 
And Father God, even as we step out this morning from this church, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will go out with a changed heart, Lord Father. That we will not go out the way we came in, Lord Father. And you be the change in our life, Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you. We give glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.